Alright, hallelujah. I right, praise the Lord. Why don't we get, get, get everybody just stand up, come to the front. Why don't you guys all sit together? You guys in the back right there. Come sit toward the front. Everyone, let's sit together. Sit with the neighbor. All right, so service team. Okay, I won't touch the service team, Megan. All right, hallelujah. <laughs> okay, all right. Praise the Lord. All right. I feel good. I feel good. I'm actually uh, more wet rested from this weekend retreat with the leaders than I normally am on a typical weekend. So I got a lot more sleep than normal. So uh, I should be able to be more alert. should be able to preach with more precision. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You know, um, there's a, um, a rap song that uh, this rapper, uh, Christian rapper, I don't know how to say his name, Tata Shi, uh, he made a song called Make War. And it begins with this John Piper quote. And then, you know, John Piper making it into a rap song. Who knew? You know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And uh, John Piper was just giving a sermon and this rapper kind of put a quote from that sermon into his song to begin the song. And John Piper said, I hear so many Christians murmuring about their imperfections and their failures and their addiction and their shortcomings. And I see so little war. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Why am I this way? Make war. And then boom, 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 boom. And then the song starts. All right. Good song, gonna go check it out. And John Piper is right. We need to make war. We need to make war against our own selfish, sinful nature and against the unclean spirits that try to gain strongholds in our hearts and minds. You know, God's raising up an army at this time all over the world who are gonna go out to the battlefield to advance the kingdom of God by the power of God. But as much as we make war on the missions field, we also need to make war right here at home. And I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about right here. I'm talking about our selfishness, our, our flesh, our carnality, our pride, any and all demonic activities, attacks, strongholds, by the way, that we permit. You know, Satan, he can't be doing all this stuff unless we permit it. Even if he got in in an unfair way where you didn't make the decision, you, you are keeping him there by your permission, by the way. And in all these areas, brothers and sisters, we need to make war. Amen? Amen. We need to win the battlefield of our minds before we can be effective on the battlefield of the nations. So, we're going to... Go through a series starting today. <clears throat> now, I'm not a big fan of preaching series, so uh, I might come back and forth to this over a period of like six months. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> today, we're going to begin with making war against, I think, one of the most poisonous spirits that are within the church today. Okay? We're going to begin with making war on a critical spirit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that we're making war on a critical spirit today. 
Glory to God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. Judge not lest you be judged. In other words, Jesus is saying, don't live life with a judgmental and critical spirit. You know, some people are just under bondage to a critical spirit. And they just have a habit of seeing only the negative. It's like their call in life is to point out and criticize everything around them. They just have an attraction, a magnetic attraction to the negative. How many of y'all know somebody like that? All right, amen. People not raising their hands. We're talking about you. No, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm a critical spirit. No, no, that's not good. <laughs> you know, you could be in a beautifully designed church, admiring and talking about all the fine details. And a person with a critical spirit will point out just one scratch that's on the floor. Some people who have this critical spirit, you know, some of them, uh, it's real heavy and they just need some major deliverance. I think they just need some major deliverance and maybe attached to inner healing issues. But you know, in varying degrees, all of us in here, we can struggle with a critical spirit in our life. You know, in life, no matter how much good there is, you can always find something bad if you look for it. You can develop an eye for the good or you can develop a critical eye. And in our nature, Left in our own nature, when we're left to ourselves, oftentimes, you know, we we tend to form a critical eye. We tend to let that critical spirit get in. You know, a critical spirit is like poison to relationships. You know, instead of appreciating people's strengths, all it does is magnify people's weaknesses. It's like this beat beat down spirit. Critical spirit, critical people. You know, they tend to exaggerate to make their points. They say things like. You never do the dishes. Or you always come late. And this is why many of our relationships are in so much trouble. You know, this kind of critical spirit, it can tear apart friendships, marriages, family relationships. And it's your choice, brothers and sisters. It's your choice whether to encourage and point out what you like about someone or whether you're going to mention only those things that annoy you about that person. It's our choice. And I remember growing up and I would see my father. You know, my father was a very people person. He was, I think he was a sanguine. He loved hanging out with people. You know, when he go to a party, you know, Everybody be drinking. He, he will be the one telling all the jokes, all the stories. Everybody looking at him. He'll be telling everybody laughing. And he had this magical ability to just bring people together. But I noticed that toward my mother, my dad had a very critical spirit. You know, every time we sit down for dinner, my sister and I will cross our fingers. And we will hope that my dad doesn't make a negative comment about my mom's cooking. But you know what? Every single time, almost every single time, he would say, 
이거 왜 이렇게 짜노? 아, 이거 싱거워. 국이 왜 이렇게 싱거워? 어? Yeah, and this Korean is like, this is bland, this is salty, the soup is lukewarm, go heat it up again. And I can't recall him saying anything positive about my mom's cooking. In fact, when everything was good, he just remained silent. Mm-hmm. You know, when we focus on criticism rather than affirmation, Relationships tend to deteriorate into becoming centered on performance rather than on love. You know, and this is a epidemic in Asian society, isn't it? And many of us in here were Asian Americans, and we grow up with Asian parents. You know what? And their intentions are so good. They want to bring out the best in you. They want you to go to the best school. They want you to make a lot of money so that they don't end up... You don't end up being a street vendor like they did, you know? You know, mommy and daddy sold all the nap, you know, the, what were they called? Uh, the knapsacks, what are they called? Fanny packs. Mommy and daddy sold 1,000 fanny packs down at, at Center City, getting robbed every day so that you don't have to. You better study. You better get straight A's, right? And, and, uh, when you don't get straight A's, you know, they will withhold your, their love or their Christmas gift or they'll give you black socks for Christmas. Make sure you get the point, you know? And, um, sisters, I'm including myself in this exhortation. You know, God, when you see His relationship with us, He does not center our relationship with Him on performance and perfection. You know, we do not work for acceptance. We work from acceptance. It's not about what we do. It's about what we do because of what Christ has done. We trust in what Christ has done and therefore we do. Alright, but... And, and, and since God is love... The exhortation we must take to heart today is that we got to emulate God's love for us in our love for each other. Amen? Um, when we affirm people and, and instead of criticizing them, give them praise and show them appreciation, and that's when relationships of love, they develop. Um, brothers and sisters, we got to... I got no love for these mics sometimes. And no love, man. I, I thought we replaced all these cables. All right, we, we're going to have a talk later, Brian. All right. But, but I'm going to affirm you on everything. I'm not even going to mention the cable. I'm going to start with myself. I'm going to apply today's message. Uh, let me get some more volume. Come on, y'all. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Oh, this one's not good either. All right. All right, all right, we're back to this one. Right, let, me, let me try over here. Uh, 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 I'm just work with this. Right, don't worry about it. You know, uh, not only is a critical spirit poison to relationships, a critical spirit is poison to leadership. You know, if, you, if the way you work with your subordinates, with your team members, is centered on criticism rather than praise and affirmation, 
you may see results more quickly and people may try harder, but any changes that you see will probably be temporary. Any work that people do will be done grudgingly and minimally. You can tell when a company has a leader that's very critical. Why? Because at 4.30, they're packing up their bags right and leave, you know? They just want to do just the minimum. Um, and this is why leadership, when it comes down to it, leadership requires a lot of wisdom. You know, anyone with a position can order people to do something. But it takes a true leader to transform them to do something and to do something well. Effective leaders know that people respond to praise more than criticism. You know what? And it takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more care. But the changes that you see are permanent and positive. There is no room for a critical spirit in leadership. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, you know, well, this is just the way I am, Pastor Christian. It's not my fault. I grew up watching my parents be critical, and this is just what I got. This is the cards that I got dealt. This is just me. Right? And, all right, maybe that's this critical spirit was passed down to you. Well, if it's been passed down to you, my exhortation for you would be that you need to make war even harder. And make sure that this thing is loosed off your life and that you don't pass it on down to your children. Amen? You know, I heard the story of a lady who uh, kept looking out of her bedroom window. And she noticed that her neighbor's laundry was very dirty. So every day she would look out and say, Ew! Their clothes are just so dirty. What kind of mother would dress her children in those dirty clothes? Those dirty, grimy clothes. She kept looking out the window and kept seeing these dirty clothes. Then weeks later, she looked out the window and her neighbor's laundry was clean and bright. And she was so surprised, she called her husband in and said, Look, honey, the lady finally learned how to do laundry. I wonder what happened. And the husband responded, Honey, I got up early this morning and I cleaned the windows. Uh, I got some people over here didn't get it. <laughs> What's up? Y'all got it? Okay, all right. Okay. <clears throat> the problem wasn't that the neighbor's laundry was dirty. The problem was the window through which she was looking was not clean. And so she was seeing everything through this tainted filter. Everything looks so negative. You know, how dirty your neighbor's laundry seems will depend largely on how clean your windows are. You know, when, when we allow a critical spirit to take over, you know, God can bless and surround you with many good things, but you won't be able to see how good it really is. All you'll see is, why can't my friends be cooler? My, why can't my coworkers be nicer? Why can't my pastor be taller? Why can't my spouse be more mature? Why can't my church be closer to a subway stop? 
And man, God, I'm be blessing you with so many good things. And all you care about is a subway stop. <laughs> Jesus said, before you try pointing out the speck in your brother's eye, check it out, homie. You need to take the log out of your own eye. Right? Then you can see clearly. That's what he said here. You can see clearly only after you do that. In other words, right? Wash your windows first. Turn to your neighbor, tell him that. Wash your windows first. My sisters, don't be so quick to judge people. Make sure you're living right, you're doing right, and that make sure you're looking through a clean window. Discerning people need to have clean windows. Clean people who have clean windows are discerning people. How that? You know, in Revelation chapter twelve, verse ten, the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brothers. Think about where the source of that critical spirit is. Think about where that critical spirit is really coming from. When you're constantly criticizing, just seeing the negative. And trying to get people to just change and nagging them and, and letting them irk you and annoy you. Just being real negative. That's the devil. That critical spirit straight from the devil. And brothers and sisters, don't let this critical spirit poison everything around you while you are blind to your own weaknesses. You know, uh, there's a dude driving down the highway. Gets into an accident. Gets out the car and starts yelling at the other guy. And saying, hey man, you should learn how to drive. You're the fourth person that hit me this morning. Okay. Maybe the problem is not with the other drivers, right? Man, nobody got that joke. Oh man. Y'all awake here? Man, y'all need to wake up. Hallelujah. Uh, no critical spirit. Hallelujah. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three says, "Bad company corrupts good character." You know, one of the most favorite activities of employees inside of a company is to badmouth the company. And don't look at all innocent eye, because we, you know, you've all done it at one point, right? I mean, I was working for Apple Computers, and I was still tempted. Too bad mouth the company. <laughs> that was very hard to do. Let me just tell you right now. But you know, you know, you're, you're sitting there. You know, one time after I graduated from college, I worked for a computer software company called Pinnacle Systems. They make video editing software. I love video editing. I love uh, programming. You know, it's, it was it was great. I wasn't even a programmer. I was a software tester. All I do all day is just play with the software and be like, oh, there's a bug. Send. No bugs today. <laughs> Man, this is hard stuff. Right? I mean, it was an easy job, right? I was getting paid per pretty good, right? But every time I went to lunch at the Garden State Mall nearby, my, my coworkers, we were, we were all recent graduates, we would sit there. And we would just bad mouth the company. 
We would just criticize the boss, criticize the manager. When we get free lunch, we would criticize the free lunch. We'd be like, man, that lunch was good. But yeah, I, I don't like them olives, man. I don't like that kind of olives. I need these kinds of olives. And they were just so negative. And guess what I did? I was just right up in there. I'd be like, yeah, man. Let me tell you, amen to that. I know y'all ain't Christians, but hey. Man, that, man, this company's whack, man. They need to learn how to train us employees. We sitting here surfing the internet all day and they ain't even put a block, they ain't even put like a firewall here to try to monitor any of this. Man, this company's whack. And I was just like going off. And I, I knew the Holy Spirit was impressing upon my heart. You need to stop that. You know what? You need to stop eating lunch with them. Go eat lunch by yourself. Guess what? I didn't do it. I just kept hanging out with them. I just kept getting critical with them. And you know what happened? All of a sudden, I got laid off. Whole bunch of us, too. We all got laid off. <laughs> Except that one dude that just remained silent throughout the whole lunchtime. But we all got laid off. And it was almost like God was like, you know what? If you're not going to change, I'm going to change your environment. I mean, I could have kept that job until I went to Campus Crusade. But, you know, God took me out of that job. I think he was saying, bad company corrupts good character. You know what? I'm trying to build up character in you, young man. And you over here, you just dive it in. You just over here drinking all the haterade in the world. Getting drunk on the hater juice. That poison. You need to get, you need to get out. So, you know, God took me out. And I believe that that's exactly what happened. So, brothers and sisters, my exhortation to you. Is that if you hear your coworkers bad mouthing and criticizing the company and the managers and whoever else, bad mouthing, criticizing and, and slandering other coworkers, right? Don't drink the haterade. Don't go up in there. Let me get some of that. Oh, that's good. I just say, you know what? Excuse me, fellas. I'm just gonna. Go get McDonald's across the street. You know? Get yourself out of that environment. Because that critical spirit is like poison. And the more you are around it, the more you will become like them. And it's going to limit God's best from being blessed into your life. You know, when we are critical, we step out of God's protection. And when it comes down to it, we don't hurt others. We just end up hurting ourselves. You know, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 to 2, right? In our passage, if you read it here, it says, Jesus is saying that when you judge and criticize others, that same measure of judgment and criticism is going to fall on you. So in other words, if you show people a lot of grace, people will show you a lot of grace. But if all you do is criticize and hate and judge people, with whatever measure you did, you used to judge them, people are also going to treat you the same way. And you know what? No amount of criticism like that has ever helped anybody. If all you do is ruin people's reputation and you wound their dignity, people will treat you with that same harshness. I mean, the world says, the world calls it karma. What goes around, comes around. There's all these like phrases like that. 
But that wisdom comes from the Bible. You know, there's um, entire ministries that are out there today. And their whole ministry, the vision statement for their ministry is pretty much a critical spirit. The whole point of their ministry is to find the faults and the negative points of other ministries, ignoring any fruit that that ministry has produced in order to label them a heretic or to label them a certain label in order to categorize them and to just disregard their ministries. They're called heresy hunters. And you know what? Everybody in here, not everybody, but a lot of people in here, because we, we, we have college educated. We don't want to be deceived. You know, I don't, you know, we need to watch out for the false prophets and we need to watch out for the antichrist. We need to watch out for cults, false religions, and all this stuff. And sometimes that kind of awareness can turn into easily a critical spirit. Where instead of being about discernment, it becomes about criticism. And there's whole ministries that are built around a critical spirit. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you, let me warn you right now. If you see a ministry like that, you need to stay far away from such ministries. Because they are full of the... They need deliverance. Man, I remember one time, I, I used to read this guy's, um, read this guy's uh, website. And his website was called like discernment, discernmentministries.com or something like that. And so I looked on his stuff. In the beginning, I saw some good articles he wrote. But I noticed the vast majority of his articles, he was slamming other ministers. So one day, I just straight up disagreed with him. And I emailed him. I said, hey, hey, brother. Hey, brother. I really appreciate what you're doing here. You know, we watching out for all them new age cults and stuff like that. We got to keep guarding, you know what I'm saying? But what you said over there about that minister, I think that wasn't in a spirit of love. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You know, detail, detail, detail. You know, sincerely Christian. Sent that joint off. Next day, I get a reply. One sentence reply. He said, oh, you must be one of those charismaniacs. That have no discernment whatsoever. Pretty much was like, you know, pretty much flipped me a spiritual bird. How do you, how to say that? <laughs> so I wrote I wrote him back. I said, you don't know who you're talking to. No, I didn't say that. I was like, I was like, oh, man. I wrote an email, but I deleted it. And I, <laughs> you know, you do that. Come on, sometimes you do that, right? And I rewrote your one, John. I was just real nice. I was like, hey, man. I don't think we see eye to eye, but that's okay. We can agree to disagree. But man, I don't, I, the, the spirit by which you're talking, I just don't, I don't like it. He wrote back another one sentence. Was like, hey, why don't you, like, he, he pretty much was using like all this foul language and was very mean-spirited. Wasn't really willing to engage. And I realized, man, this guy's full of the devil. He's full of the devil. But so many people go on the internet and because they don't know how to use resources, they turn to Google for all of the discernment resources. And the first thing you type up is this guy's ministry. Because this is discernmentministries.com. And he's been around since like the early 90s or whatever. Brothers and sisters, you need to stay away from ministries like that. Critical spirits are poison in the ministry. What we need are people that are discerning. And are able to confront and talk to engage people in a spirit of love. 
Let me tell you right now. You know why so many people joined the hater bandwagon toward Joel Olstein? Let me tell you right now. Like half of you in here hate Joel Olstein. Yeah, that's just like a blanket, blanketing statement. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm assessing it. I'm assessing it. Y'all, y'all don't even give him a chance. Never read a book by him. Never listened to a whole sermon by him. He just saw his face on TV and said, mm, no, thank you. And you hate on him. And you hate on him. And then you hear about the Larry King interview. Then you hear about whatever other interview. And you're like, man, Joel Osteen is like a false prophet. He is a, he, he may have the largest church in America right now, but you know what? He's just, he's just all about the prosperity theology. And you know what? He's just, man, whatever, man. He's, he doesn't know the gospel. And I'm like, homie, have you looked into the fruit of this man's ministry? Have you studied the history of his father's ministry and seen how he took over the ministry? Do you know the changed lives that are going on at that, at that church? Do you know the, the lives of the leaders of that church? Of Marcos, Pastor Marcos Witt, of their worship leader, Israel Houghton. Do you know the lives of the leaders of that church? Because they're touching the world. What are you doing? I don't, I don't say that though, right? Because I get it so much, you know. I've, I did that in the beginning, but I've gotten, I've gotten, uh, my responses have been just like, hey brother, well, you know, don't be so quick to judge. No. And, you know, something interesting Jesus said in the Gospels was, He said, wisdom is proved by her children. In other words, true wisdom is proved by her children, by the fruits of that person's life and ministry. Right? And so these a lot of these heresy hunter and these 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 haterade ministries, right? What they do is they say they they market their ministry and they go around saying that their ministry is a ministry of wisdom, it's a ministry of discernment, and they go under the guise of wisdom, but if you see the fruit of their ministry, there's no children. There's no changed lives. There's no people getting saved. There's no going into the missions field. They're not raising up discerning other discerning ministers. They're just raising up more haters. And all the fans of their ministries are just more haters. It's just all, a whole bunch of people that are possessed by a critical spirit that don't know how to deal with the critical spirit. They all get together have a big old party. If we, we join in with that parade, I'm telling you right now, your life will produce no fruit. Because when you give in to a critical spirit, you start stepping out of the, the protection of God, the covering of God. Hallelujah. By the way, if, just, if, you, if you really want to see you know, what Joel Olstein's ministry is about, look at his fruit. Look at the fruit of that ministry and then demonstrate to me that you actually know what's going on at that church. And then we'll talk about the finer points of his ministry. Hallelujah. And you know what? People do that with me. Y'all don't hear it here. But when I go around and when I get emails, because I, I know a lot of people from being in ministry for, for you know, a very long time. Been in ministry for about seven years. This is my seventh year. I know a lot of people. I've met people from all spectrums of denominations. And man, they just, they just criticize. They just come out at me with a critical spirit. Anyway, hallelujah. 
and people are critical of you or you hear them hating on you, my expectation is don't join the haters. Don't drink that haterade. Turn to your native tell them that. Come on. Get it out of your hand. Throw it down. Close that bottle. You got to resist the urge to drop down to their level. We got to wake up and ready ourselves for the fact that the higher you go, the more haters you'll have. You know, Jesus is the Son of God. And when he came to this earth, guess what? He had a lot of haters. <gasps> what, Jesus? He does everything perfect. How can he have haters? Well, guess what? He had a lot of haters. In fact, they all gathered in Jerusalem and said, crucify, crucify. In fact, they were fans one, one week. The next week, they were saying crucify. The higher you go, the more haters you have. You know what? And when, when, you, you, know, when, when you experience success, promotion, you know, not all your friends and family and your coworkers will celebrate your victories. You know what I mean? When they see God's favor opening up doors that are closed for them, they may get jealous. When they see you get married, they may feel insecure about why they can't find the right man. When they see you get a promotion, they may spread slander in the office saying, why does she get that promotion? Man, I'm smarter than her. I went to a better college than her. She's made these, these, these mistakes. And honey, let me tell you about her personal life. When you hear these things, brothers and sisters, do not get upset. Resist the urge to want to set the record straight and make everybody understand. Guess what? Let me tell you the truth today. That's not your job. It is not your responsibility to get everybody to like you in this world. It is not your responsibility to make everybody understand what's really going on in your life. Sometimes you'd make those efforts. With the people that, you know, God leads you to. But it is not your responsibility. When you see those things happening, you just got to let it go. Let it go and let God fight your battles for you. You know, Jesus said, in fact, right after this passage, look at verse 6. Right after he talked about Judge not so that you won't be judged. Talk, to, talk about this teaching. And right in verse 6, a lot of people, and a lot of times I've read this passage, I've never really made a connection between verses 1 through 5 and verse 6. But if you really read what's going on in verse 6, right after Jesus teaches on not judging, He tells them, Do not give dogs what is sacred, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In other words, the favor of God that opened up that door for you, that testimony is holy. It's sacred. It's precious. The blessings and grace that you are experiencing, those are your pearls. So don't just give them to anyone and everyone that asks. When people hate on you and you try to set the record straight by telling them all about God's wonderful favor, they're not going to say, oh, thank you. 
Now everything makes so much sense. I'm sorry I talked behind your back. I guess I was just being jealous. Nobody's ever going to say that. If people are already hating on you and they're slandering you, if you say something like that, it's going to make them even more upset. And they may just turn on you and trample on all your precious testimonies. Brothers and sisters, we must be discerning about who we share these sacred, precious, holy testimonies with. Can I get an amen? amen? And when you hear about the haters, why don't you try blessing your enemies? Jesus said, Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he then he later said, verse 46, he said, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You know, all the co-workers, even the non-Christian ones in your workplace, they know how to love those who love them. But Jesus said, you need to go further. You need to be perfect because as your heavenly father is perfect. Don't just love those who like you. Don't just love the lovable, right? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. And this is the kind of heart that pleases God. If you will love and bless those who hate on you, God will use your enemies to bless you with great and greater character and raise you up and lift you higher for you to have greater influence and for you to have greater and access greater promises and purposes of God. To, we got to develop a habit when we, when we um, relate to each other here in this church. We got to develop a habit of seeing the best in people. You know, 1 Peter 4, 8, Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. You know, instead of pointing out what people are doing wrong, love says, oh, let's cover that. Let's mention something that they're doing right. That's the voice of love. And when you work with people, you know what? Any knucklehead can criticize, complain, and point out the faults of others. But it takes love to see, to cover over people's faults, and to see the best in them. Especially in young people that are prone to make mistakes. It takes love to cover over those mistakes. Brothers and sisters, I want you to make a decision today not to be a fault finder. Instead, choose the path of love. Develop a habit of seeing the best in people. You know, uh, Proverbs twelve sixteen says, A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. You know, in life, people are going to insult you. And some people, they don't even mean to. They just say careless, they're tactless. They just make careless remarks, they may offend you. It may even be your pastor. It may be your first Sunday here, and pastor's a little tactless. I mean, just make a careless remark. When that happens, don't go, so annoying. (laughs) No, seriously, I mean, that's what people do, right? It does not take much maturity to do that. But instead, if you will overlook that insult and even get to know them, who knows? They may become your BFF, your best friend forever. 
or sometimes you just meet people that just straight hate you. You just meet them. They don't know nothing about you. They just look you up and down and they just, they just hate you. And, you. and you meet them and you just, they got this hate mode on. The hate wall is up. And you're just like, hey, I, I just want to get to know you. And there's this wall up. And then they come off all like strong and all like, all with that haterade. If that's the case, brothers and sisters, those haters may not want to change. Don't let those haters touch your joy. Amen? Don't let them touch your joy. Just let it go. Don't get me wrong. There are times when we need to confront people for their actions. And we need to just talk it out. We shouldn't overlook everything and suppress all our emotions. But where it may seem appropriate in one occasion to confront someone, there will be many more times in which it's best to overlook an offense and to just give people the benefit of a doubt. When you learn to overlook an insult or offense, when you learn to let things go and not join the haters, you'll stay healthy and free and the blessing of God will continue to flow into your life. Romans 8.28 says something very interesting. It says, God works all things for the good of those who love Him. For those who are called according to His purpose. God works all things for their good. That is wonderful news. But if you can't overlook an insult and you can't cover over people's mistakes, if you're too busy seeing the bad, how will we ever see that God is working all things for our good? We got to cleanse our windows, brothers and sisters. We need to throw away the haterade and we need to open up our eyes and see all the good that he is doing around us. And when we're able to identify and, and see where God is doing those good things, we just got to give Him all the praise. Got to give Him all the thanks. The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Even when things look terrible, even when things look like they're falling apart, things look very, very bad, and you can't find one good thing, the Bible says, give thanks to God. Because sometimes... What looks like a setback is a setup. A setup for your promotion. A setup for your breakthrough. And where things may look like it's going very slow, God is actually destining you for greatness. Just look at the life of Joseph in the Bible. Every time it looked like the favor of God was opening up something new for him, he had a setback. But Joseph, my man, Joseph, when he got beat up by his brothers and they were about to kill him and instead they sold him into slavery, right? I bet, I, I bet Joseph was pretty messed up. He was pretty, it was pretty rough. I mean, he, he was having a hard time. But, you know, I believe that he continued to hold to that dream that God had given him. And guess what? When he got sold off, when he went up into Potiphar's house, he didn't go into Potiphar's house and said, and start criticizing everything and being all negative. Instead, he was su- he came off with such brightness and positivity. You know what Potiphar did? Promoted him, put him in charge of all his house. Then waited later on when Potiphar's 
crazy wife tried to seduce him and then and accuse him of rape and he got uh, he went into the dungeon when he was in the dungeon he didn't complain and criticize and just and be like man I hate this dungeon this dungeon nasty food in this dungeon right? he was just like thank you warden hey that's a nice tie you have on there I don't know if he said it like that he didn't say it like Joe Holstein but like you know he, I believe that he kept real positive and God saw that it pleased God and God was just setting them up, setting them up, and, and, and molding his character. And as Joseph continued to give thanks in all circumstances, I believe that God worked all those things out for his good. And also not just for his good, but for the saving of many lives. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, we need to make war against a critical spirit. We need to stop blaming our parents and saying, man, my parents are so critical of me. They are so critical. You know, they did this and they did that. And I'm sitting there listening. And I'm going, wow, you're pretty critical of your parents. The same spirit that you despised in them just got imparted into your life. Now, what are you going to do about it? You know, the very things you hate and you despise that you see in your parents... Oftentimes, those are the very things that are going to blindside you. And you're going to start demonstrating in your own life. Unless you make war and loose it out of your life. Brothers and sisters, if we will be victorious against the critical spirit, you will, have, you will be blessed with long life. You will work with people. And they're not going to stress you out. They're not going to stress you out. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be joyful. You're going to enjoy what you do. And God's just going to continue to bless you and give success to everything you put your hands to. This is a message for me. Because I'll confess right now that lately or or. It started sometime at the beginning of 2009. I've been having a very critical spirit. Not in all areas, right? But just in some. And my staff, they know. Pastors and Mina and even my wife, they know because we have weekly staff meetings. And you know what? Every time though, every time, let me just tell you, this is the back, background, inside story. Every time I start that staff meeting, I say, Lord, let me be nice today. Lord, give me that fruit of, fruit of gentleness, Lord. I need more of it. Come on, give me, give me, give me a bite. I need, I need that fruit of gentleness, Lord. Just help me, Lord, by your grace. Not to bark down their throats and hammer away at their heads. Let me be positive. Let me just, let me just like praise them for something good they did. Amen. And I go in there very hopeful and optimistic. And then I start the staff meeting. And I start hearing the reports or the lack of reports. <laughs> and then something was supposed to be done and they forgot to do it. Or they, they say they do it. But then I could tell that they didn't think about it until just now. Or something like that. Or that's my perception, right? And I start to lose that, lose that prayer that I just pray. I just abandon it with a quickness. <laughs> and then something comes into my eyes. It's almost like something, a change that happens. I'm like, 
Mean I told you. How many times did I say this and that? I'll go pray for her later. And I've been very critical. And you know what? Praise God that my staff have kept a very positive attitude throughout it all. And they are so thankful that they're at a church where the anointing is flowing and where the Spirit of God is bringing forth so much life and testimonies. They're so thankful for that. I think that really carries them to deal with uh, the, the jerk of a pastor that I can be sometimes. You know? And you know what? I, 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 and the devil be like, they're talking about you. They slandering you. You know what you did was wrong. They have the right to talk about you. They probably did this right now. Go, 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 go in that room. I'd be like, hey, Noah! <laughs> what were y'all talking about? <laughs> and then I'll take my wife aside later. I'll be like, honey, was, was Noah, was, was Noah talking about me today? I know she was. I got that prophetic unction. I, I, I know she was, right, 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 right? Aaron be like, honey, she has never done that. She has never done that. She did not do that today. That's the truth. I'm like, come on, honey. She said something. <laughs> <laughs> Babe, you need some prayer. Okay, and I admit, alright, that I'm aware of this problem. And I've tried to make my efforts, and I've tried harder, and I've dropped the hater raid, and picked it back up, and then dropped it again, poured it out, and got a refill. And <laughs> You know, and my windows be all dirty sometimes, and I need the new Windex, and all that stuff, right? But you know what? I made efforts, but I haven't really made war. I haven't, I've thought of it more as maintenance. Like, this is just something that will stay with me for the rest of my life. You know, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I saw it from different people that I was under. And they were like that, and I'll probably end up just being like this, and I'll never get rid of it. And that's the lie, that's the lie of the devil that's been planted in my head. And what I realized in preparing this message is, God wants me to make war. You know, when you make war, you make sure that you get complete victory. You don't leave like, you know, if, you know, if you're like in the movie Gladiator, right? And you're out there and you like, you know, slaughtering and you, you know, you, you, you're killing people, right? You don't need people wounded that can get up in one leg and then slash you and stab you in the back. Or right? you make sure that everything is gone. When God told Joshua to go in and, and take over the cities, he told him to completely, like, don't even let, like, don't even let the children live. Don't let nobody, right? It sounds real harsh, right? But that's what God said. When, and that's how you, that's how you make war. That's the nature of war. I'm not here to talk about the sovereignty of God and, and, you know, and the, uh, genocidal kind of type of, uh, commands that he gave to Joshua. Alright, that's a big topic. I just opened up a can of worms. Let me close it up. It's not what I'm here to preach. I'm just saying the nature of war is you go and you make sure you get full victory. So, brothers and sisters, I want to make war on this critical spirit and I want to encourage you to do the same. Because I believe that it's poisoning your relationships. And I want to see your relationships blessed. I want you to see testimonies again and again and again. Let us pray.
Lord Father, we just thank you so much that God, you are a God of immense and incredible love. And God, Lord, it is your love that has covered a multitude of sins in our lives, Lord. And God, we are just so thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. And God, because we are loved, we know that, Lord, you have every right to command us to love. And God, it is our desire to renew that passion and that to renew those, not just our efforts, but we want to really just renew our hearts to love each other. To love each other. But God, we need to get the poison out. We need to get this critical spirit out of our leadership, out of our marriages, out of our relationships with parents and out. Just get it out, Lord. Maybe they on their side may not get it out, but on our side we can start, Lord. We can loose it off of our lives first, Lord. So God, I pray that in this church, that Lord, as we make war against this critical spirit, as we pour out all the haterade, never to drink it again, I pray that God, as we love our enemies, love people that hate on us, and bless them, and not pray against them, and say, Lord, they're doing this and this wrong, and Lord, you should get them. Lord, get them, Lord. Get them, Lord. Instead to bless them and say, Lord, I pray you bless them with a wonderful week. I pray you bless their family. I pray you will bless, bless them, Lord. May that be our hearts, because Lord, we know that with such hearts you are pleased. And with the man that you are pleased with is the man that, God, you're going to raise up. The humble man. The man of character. The man of wisdom. The man of love. So, Lord, I pray that you are, teach us to walk in these ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.